Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones had just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time for part two of the weekend mailbag. So for that, we welcome back our friend who is the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, this is the very last mailbag before the NFL draft. And we're going to be answering a bunch of draft-related questions, but... Bart Harley Jarvis asked this question last week. You weren't on the mailbag, so I wanted to save it for now. He asked again. He wants to know, this time last year, we kept hearing about the Very Big Deal's homemade pizza, and we got to see a picture of it, but only one picture. Have his Jets duties caused his pizza dreams to be dashed upon the rocks of exhaustion? The people must know about the plight of the Very Big Slice, patent pending. Oh, okay. This is great. This is very, very well constructed there. Uh, I, I love that. Yes. So the Jets have not gotten away of the pizza. Uh, me trying to be healthy and losing 50 pounds has, has gotten in the way of the pizza. Um, since since uh, last September, I, I started eating a lot healthier and, and exercising a lot more. So I have dropped 50 pounds since then. And really, I, I, I dropped those 50 pounds real quick in like three months. And I've been treading water ever since because I've grown toenails and all different things. But I've, I've had very, very little pizza uh, since September. Uh, a, a couple days here and there. 
Um, but yeah, it's it, the, the pizza has gone out the window for the most part, especially the homemade pizzas. But once I have, I've gotten myself into a nice little rhythm here on my diet. Now I know how to control it. Once I get that, lose a little bit more, I'll be back to eating my pizzas and cooking them and making them again. And then I will uh, bless the timeline with them. Next question comes in from Scotter T. He says, if Kayvon Thibodeau and Ahmad Sauce Gardner are both available at number four, assuming that Hutchinson, Walker, and Aquanu are off the board, who is the pick? This is going to be sort of a boring answer, but this is pretty much where I come down on this. It all depends on what the Jets think of Kayvon Thibodeau. If the Jets really like Kayvon Thibodeau, I think Thibodeau is the pick there. If they're not really that sold on Thibodeau, then I think Sauce is in play. Because what I think it really comes down to here is how high do the Jets have these players ranked and what is the difference in quality in their mind? If it's anything close to Tide or if they have Thibodeau above Sauce Gardner, obviously, I think they go with the pass rusher. But if, say, they are wishy-washy on Thibodeau but love Sauce Gardner, that's when I think that Sauce Gardner could be the pick. So I think all things equal, they'd prefer the pass rusher. If they feel similarly about the two players, then I think they take Thibodeau. But if they think that Sauce could be a special player and they're not convinced that that's the case with Thibodeau, then that's where I think that Sauce could be the guy that they pick at number four. All right, so copy and paste everything you just said, <laughs> except, and then I will add on the addendum that I, if the situation just presented to me right now, I will say that they choose sauce, and uh, I say that because of character. Uh, and it's not, that's not even a character knock on Thibodeau as much as, I mean, it could be, I'm not, I'm not sure, but it, it's not even that as much as this is just a huge, huge uh, mark in uh, Sauce's column. Uh, you've talked about this a lot, I know. Uh, he just seems like, uh, personality-wise, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala's guy. Like, that's, it, that's what they want to draft, especially with, you know, a number four overall pick. They don't, you know, you hear this type of stuff. It's you, you don't want to just draft the football player. That's you draft the leader, face the franchise, all that type of stuff. And you want to draft the person and, and as well as the player. And they are, I, I have, I just think that if he's available, that they will fall in love with him. I could be completely wrong. And especially if, if the Jets end up uh, taking Thibodeau, then I mean, just absolutely uh, credit and kudos to Joe Douglas for the way that he has handled this and uh, kept the mystery around it. Uh, because, again, I, I've said a, a, a couple weeks ago when I was on here, like, I know there's some people in that building that like him. I cannot get a feeling about the rest of the building, though. Uh, I, I, I like it's obviously not unanimous. I don't think there's a unanimous uh, a team in the league that has a unanimous uh consensus on him but uh i i can't get a read on that at all but i i do feel that like sauce is the type of personality and player that they would love to be able to you know look at and hold up and let him lead the team and everyone rally around and all that mumbo jumbo with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. 
And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Michael Christopher asks, what would be your ideal draft if you were Joe Douglas and you could draw it up however you wanted? I actually really liked what Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks drew up the other day on Move the Sticks. If you haven't listened to it yet, you should. They did a solid 10 minutes breaking down what they would do with the Jets. What Jeremiah said is he would take Gardner 4, then at 10 come back and take Jermaine Johnson. You've now added two very important pieces at very important positions on a terrible defense. And then he said he would slide up in the first round and grab Linderbaum in the 20s, which if you look at the draft value chart, you could probably do by using the 69th pick and flipping it for a fourth rounder. That's more or less what the cost would be to go up from 35. And then he said at 38, get Sky Moore, the wide receiver out of Western Michigan, who would be a really good fit. Led the nation in missed tackles last season with 26. Really good route runner. And I think Sky Moore, Elijah Moore, and Corey Davis would be a very formidable group. And now if you've traded the 69th pick, you can't do anything with that. But you've got three fourth rounders in this scenario. I'd use one of them on a running back, probably one of them on a linebacker, one of them on a safety. And that's how I would build it. So ideally, that's what I would be looking to do. What Jeremiah said, there are other paths that you could take, but I really like that one. That's that's an enticing path path to take. It sounds uh, good. Uh, I I would probably tweak it go uh, similar but a little bit different. Um, you know I, I I haven't decided yet myself if I would go the Thibodeau sauce route. I th- I think I I would lean and uh, go Thibodeau. Of course, this is one of those things that you know I I would have a lot more information at my disposal and I would have looked into this a lot more if I was actually the one responsible with making this decision. And Chris, Um, I should jump in real quickly and just say that 
if they pick Thibodeau or Gardner at four, I'm happy with either one. So just because I like what Daniel Jeremiah laid out doesn't mean that I wouldn't like it if they pick Thibodeau at four. I'd be happy with that as well. Right, absolutely. Uh, The main reason why I was getting hung up on the two names there at four is because that's really the only time – and and this uh, little thought exercise I plan on talking about names, <laughs> um, just because it's going to get too confusing trying to say, oh, well, like, you know, sure. Ideally, I would like for them to draft Kayvon Thibodeau with one of their third with a third round pick. Like, <laughs> you know, so I'm not going to go down that route, but stay at four. Take one of those guys at four, whichever one they like the most, whoever's available, whatever. At 10, I would be looking to go. I would look to. Jeremiah tried to trade back up. I and I'm for that, uh, but I would also probably rather try to trade down from ten. Uh, I and then and trade down from ten, pick somebody, gather up some more picks, and then trade back up later. I'm, I'm we can do my plan and Jeremiah's plan. <laughs> I'm I'm good with that because I am fully on board with the Linderbaum decision. I'm fully on board with the decision to add. A receiver on day two uh like i we've talked about this a lot i am i there's no no reason at all to force a receiver at 10 trade down and take a receiver sure uh you know take a receiver in the second third round absolutely even you know trade back up into late first to to take a receiver if you know Traylon burks is still there and you don't think he'll last okay i'm good with that but I'm sitting at 10. I'm looking now. Uh, and Jer- Jeremiah knows and uh, 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 Jermaine Johnson much better than me. But from what I've, I've heard, uh, you know, I, it's, this is tough, though, because it, it does sound at the number 10 pick actually does sound like uh, Jeremiah Johnson would be a perfectly fine pick at 10. But you you you're kind of hoping for like a home run pick there, and it doesn't sound like that's gonna be him. Um, could be wrong there, but I I'd be I just don't like a lot of the value that I from how I think it's gonna be there. I just think ten is gonna be an awkward position, so I try to trade down and out of it. But yeah, I'm I'm trying. You know, if you don't get an edge, if you don't take Thibodeau or an edge at four, then you got to try to get. Um, you know, a, a Jermaine Johnson somehow. So you might have to sit there. But yeah, I'm looking at, uh, you know, like just like you, I'm looking at a power back in those middle rounds, uh, you know, third, fourth, fifth round. I'm looking at some linebackers. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking at trying to get some linebackers, somebody that can cover, uh, looking to add another weapon at tight end there. Uh, you know, obviously I mentioned Linderbaum with just like with you. A- absolutely. If you can get Linderbaum, if you can come away with either Thibodeau or Sauce Gardner, and then you come and you get like a weapon and a Linderbaum, imagine that. Imagine if you could either with a second, you get your first second, you get Linderbaum or you trade up to get Linderbaum and then you get, you know, a Skymore type receiver in the second. And then you add, uh, you know, that power back in the fourth. That offense, offense looks way different now, mm-hmm. way different now. We're, you're talking about all that. And then everyone's panicking about not trading for this guy and not trading for that guy. And it's like, hey, well, okay. This offense looks really good. The offensive line has been completely overhauled and retooled. 
you got you know some studs on there all all across the board now and you got uh you know to, to some more weapons for zach's disposal as well so i that's uh, i i do understand the approach of hey get two great defensive players and then focus there because you can't value wise that's the move and you know, anyone that's been listening for us for years is going to be a little bit like, what is going on here? Because Nimbley just keeps talking about just offense, offense, offense. But again, the value here in that first round is matching up more on defense. But that's also a big part of the reason why I'm it's super enticing to me to stay trade down there, gather up more, and then I can sp- I can attack the value on offense. Next question comes in from Aaron Jagger. He says, do you oppose taking Jermaine Johnson at four? If Thibodeau and Hutchinson are gone, I don't see any problem with it since he would be the best edge rusher left on the board. I like Sauce, but I think Edge is a bigger need and JJ has top 10 talent. Yes, I would oppose taking Jermaine Johnson at four because I just don't think he's worth the fourth pick. He's a good player, maybe a very good player, but I think Gardner is an elite top of the draft prospect. And even if edge is a bigger need than corner, which I agree it is because with Carl Lawson coming back and you don't know what you're going to get out of him after the injury and nobody else really of substance there, at least the corner, you do have DJ Reed. I do think corner and edge are significant needs. Edge is a bigger need, but ultimately you've got to go with the guy that's a significantly better prospect in your eyes. If that's how you view it. And that's how I view it. I don't know if the Jets view it that way. They may, they may not. But to me, you don't take arguably the fourth best edge rusher, especially if Trayvon Walker is taken at this point. Not that I would even want Trayvon Walker. He's too risky for me. I'm just saying a lot of people are going to have Jermaine Johnson as edge four. I wouldn't do that at number four when you could have a cornerback that you think could be the cornerstone of your secondary for the next decade. It's just too much of a difference in value there. And it's not like they don't need Gardner. They do. So I would not be comfortable taking Jermaine Johnson at four. Yeah. I, so, again, with everything you say is correct, obviously, if, uh, you know, it's also the simple fact that if you just add in, like, which uh, position are you more likely to find, like, an all-pro later in the draft, like there's there's a lot of uh, corners you can find later in the draft that can that can step up and do the job or can be like all pro level. It's much harder to do that with edge. Um, so that's another reason why you would lean edge uh, in this hypothetical, uh, you know, pick them. But I I've used this way of explaining it before, and I'll do it again. Teams give these player number grades. And let's just say Hutchinson and Thibodeau are graded out at 97 and 94, respectively. If you're telling me that Trayvon Walker is like a 92 and Jermaine Johnson is a 91, then okay, you're taking the fourth best uh, edge. Okay, there could be something to that. Um, If, you know, if that – fourth best edge has a grade of 84 though that's no you're not you're not just taking him because he's the fourth best edge so it's all it's gonna you know depend on what their grade is it's simple because it's also possible that you know there's some team out there that has uh jermaine johnson graded ahead of thibodeau or graded ahead of some of these other guys but if it's you know so like if 
let's just say hypothetically, it's Hutchinson, Thibodeau, or Walker are all uh, above 95, and and then there's Jermaine Johnson with a grade of 94, then yeah, they would take him at four. They, there would be no hesitation to taking him at four if that's the case. Just going off of what I've seen about him, the little bit I've seen, I, I, I can't imagine he's got a grade anywhere near 94. I would imagine it's probably, you know, more um, top 80s in there uh, based on, you know, what I've talked about or I've talked to people and heard about the Jets' feelings there. It it's kind of lines up with everybody else around. Really good player. Really, really high floor. Low ceiling. A little bit lower. Um, you know, that – and just selfishly, just from my own point of view, and, of course, there's no – don't think about it from your fans' perspective, but man, I I dread them picking him and then having to deal with a Leonard Williams type scenario for the next three seasons where he's really good and then players are talking about it like he's the worst player in the world. And even though understandably it's disappointing and not what that you would hope it would have been. Next question comes in from JP Waxer. He says, how much stock do you think the Jets are going to put in Mims as a supporting cast member that could heavily influence the draft? And then in a somewhat related question, somebody asked what the Jets think about Jamison Williams. As far as Mims, I don't think they're putting any stock in him. I think at this point, they view him as a guy that they're hoping to get something out of. They'll give him one last chance in training camp and they're not going to count on him for anything. He's not going to influence their draft plans. As far as Jamison Williams, I'll leave that one to you, Chris, because you're the one with the sources in the building, not me. Yeah, when it comes to Jamison Williams, you know, I've obviously done a lot of talking to people about uh, their feelings about the wide receiver in this class. And basically, the Jamison Williams is like, what's there not to like? But uh, why are we talking about this? Because we're not taking him at 10, and he's not going to get to us in the second round. So, and you know, and now, of course, that doesn't rule out the possibility of a trade up or a trade down to do that. But <clears throat> that's that's uh, that's the general consensus. That's the vibe I've gotten from the Jets uh, and, you know, uh, paraphrased, but kind of gotten those exact words uh, just paraphrased. Like, yeah, what's not to like about this kid? Obviously, I don't know exactly how they feel about the injury and how quick they're but. This hence was just like, yeah, we love him. Everybody loves him, but we're not taking him that high, and he won't be back around when we come next up. And then, um, yeah, as far as Mims, if, if Mims gives you something this year, great. Ed, that's a bonus. That's extra. They are not planning for it. I'm not saying that they are, you know, looking forward to cutting him in training camp, but they are prepared to not have him on this roster going into the season if need be uh they're definitely going to give him a chance to compete and earn it uh, and and he could do it I, but they they cannot go into this season like counting on anything from him they, they just can't and they're not going to next question comes in from robert hurdle he says you guys rock thanks robert could the reason Joe Douglas holds on to the 10th pick so far mean he has a potential trade down in place, perhaps with the Steelers, if Malik Willis is there? Also, are there any teams willing to jump ahead of the Giants for a left tackle at number four? That certainly could be a possibility as far as why Joe Douglas wants to keep that 10th pick. Maybe there's a player he really likes that he thinks will slide, but he could also have talked to several teams who are willing to pay a solid price to move up from wherever it is they're drafting to get that pick. In fact, 
at his presser, Douglas talked a lot about how things are starting to heat up, and people read into that that he was talking about Debo Samuel. I think it's very possible that teams are calling about that 10th pick and putting in place tentative types of deals, kind of like what Joe Douglas himself did last year when he was able to trade up for Elijah Vera Tucker. So that very well could be what he was referencing when he said things are starting to heat up. I don't know about the Steelers specifically, but I absolutely could see a team jumping up, if not for a quarterback, then for somebody else. As far as whether or not there's a team that's willing to jump the Giants for a tackle at four, it depends which tackles are available, and it depends what the price would be, but I think it's possible. We've heard a lot of people say that teams believe three tackles will go in the top ten, Charles Cross, Evan Neal, and E. Kim Aquanu. So depending on what preferences are and where you'd have to move from, I think it's certainly possible somebody could be looking to jump ahead of the Giants. Yeah, it's possible they could do that. Uh, it's possible somebody could be looking to get up there to get an edge as well. Um, no, I'll tell you this for sure, 100% certain uh, that you're right, exactly dead on about what Joe Douglas was referencing. That every single year, this right when they have the pre-draft presser, the GM, which whoever the GM is, whether it's Tannenbaum, whether it's Idzik, whether it's McCagney, whether it's Joe Douglas, whether it's any other GM throughout the league, these pre-draft pressers, every single one of them says it's really starting to heat up now. Because throughout the process, throughout the offseason, they all call each other. They keep in touch. They throw around things, you know. Oh, maybe we might be interested in this guy down the road. But it's it's all generic. It's very vague. It's very hollow for mo- for the most part. Um, you know, unless there's like a, a urgent player movement. It but it's generic and basic. But then as you get closer to the draft, everyone starts to get a better feel for what they how they think the draft is going to unfold. How certain teams are going to approach the draft what they're going to, you know, what they aren't going to be able to find in the draft that they still need. And so now you start, the picture starts to get a lot clearer. And now also you guys know the, any type of, there's any type of negotiation, the, the phrase about deadlines, spurring action, blah, 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 blah. The draft is coming up with less than a week away. There's urgency now. So now teams are saying, okay, well, well if we don't make a deal now, somebody else might come and beat us to the, a deal. Um, that, so now the the market starts to pick up, things start to heat up. That's all that is. That's all he's saying. That's generic. It's standard. It happens every single year. And when you have two picks in the top 10, yeah, of course, it's going to heat up more and more. Um, and yet he's, he's going to entertain offers. And as far as like, you know, the receiver, the number 10 pick, I, I think it's really simple here. I think he would absolutely trade that number 10 pick if it was like, you know, obviously he traded for Miles Garrett. Um, but like if if somebody a little bit less, I, I can't think of somebody, you know, a, a younger Chandler Jones. <laughs> um, if something like that happened, I think he would move that number 10 pick. I don't think he's willing to move that number 10 pick for a receiver. I think he's saying, and I don't think he's going to be willing to spend that number 10 pick on a receiver. I think he's going to look to spend that number 10 pick on a position of value or trade down and recoup assets that way. And then spend that uh, spend there on more, uh, you know, adequate uh, values there. He can go get the receiver where it matches value a little better. 
That's going to wrap up part two of the mailbag. Make sure you check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some great videos up there. Check out those videos and subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store at tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, mugs, hoodies, caps, it's all there, tpublic.com, that's t-e-e-public.com, and make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.